Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa full synthetic motor oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831 Hey everyone, this is John Roga from Movie Talk. By now, you've likely heard about Disney Plus, the new streaming service that includes Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and National Geographic. With all of these amazing brands in one place, Disney Plus has one of the most incredible libraries in the entire streaming landscape. And it's all ad-free. From beloved classics like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves to today's blockbusters like Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame to critically acclaimed documentaries like National Geographic's Free Solo, the content on Disney Plus is truly unparalleled. Disney Plus also offers some of the most beloved TV shows of all time, including 30 seasons of the Emmy Award-winning animated series The Simpsons. And if that weren't enough, Disney Plus has also rolled out a host of originals like The Mandalorian, the first-ever Star Wars live action series and high school musical the musical the series a very meta take on the beloved film franchise it's no wonder disney plus has become one of the most talked about streaming services of 2019 so don't miss out sign up for disney plus now and start streaming all this great content today hey jordan harbinger here subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds after presenting more than a thousand interviews I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to The Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. At Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $25 prepaid Visa card when you get any Napa automotive battery. It's the best deal for some of the best batteries from some of the best car people around. But we might be a little partial. Anywho, pick up any Napa automotive battery and save 25 bucks. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, while supplies last. Offer ends eight thirty one twenty. Today on a live episode of Collider Movie Talk, we got more Joker. That's right, there might be a sequel in the works, and then we boldly go where nowhere has no one has gone before. At least Noah Hall is going to do that. And then there's a trio of Marvel castings involved, and Steven Soderbergh's throwing down for them as well. Talking about it all on Collider Movie Talk. As soon as that logo. Come on, logo, get out of here. All right, hey, welcome everybody. John Roca sitting in to host today, again, hosting the rest of the week. But while Perry Nemiroff is having some fun down in Cabo, uh, that's what I'm seeing from those pictures. A lot of fun. Hey, Cabo is great, but it ain't as great as hanging out with these two gentlemen today. We're going to talk, meet them now. Uh, that's uh, Silas. How are you, Silas? Yeah, I'm great. Happy yeah? to be here. It's good to see you. We put a Star Trek story on, and you're, like, super excited. <laughs> I was very happy. Well, yesterday when it happened, I was like, this is going to be one of the topics tomorrow. <laughs> see? And I love when Silas gets animated because it means we're in for a good show. And, you know, this guy, this next guy, he looks so good in his newsy hat. He's got himself a new comedy special that just dropped 
That guy right there, Mark Ellis, how are you? Uh, I'm great, John. I, I got to say, uh, hanging out with you two gentlemen, it's nowhere near as nice as Cabo. <laughs> I think we all would rather be on vacation in Mexico right now. The only reason I agreed to do this, I thought I was booking myself a vacation to Cabo. They're like, no, 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 you're replacing Perry for a day. So you're doing a great job. I'm you trying. got the mug right there. It's Thank very you. professional. That's right. I am who I am, and I appreciate you both stopping by. We're going to have some fun. You all are going to have some fun, and we're going to get into some topics right now. Let's do it first, and that's the Joker. Joker. <laughs> it is coming back possibly as a sequel. According to THR and sources, Todd Phillips is likely to reteam with Joaquin Phoenix on a follow-up to this $1 billion-making film. If you read the THR article, Todd Phillips has already, according to the sources, made $100 million off this film. I would retire. But anyway, he went in to uh, talk to uh, Toby Emmerich, uh, the uh, Warner Brothers uh, Pictures Group chairman, uh, about after the opening weekend, after they made $96.2 million opening weekend, about getting the rights to develop a portfolio of DC characters' origin stories. That's right. Todd Phillips, he tried to big time here at Warner Brothers and DC and be like, I'm going to create the Todd Phillips verse of the DC verse. That's some guts, and I really appreciate the stones on that kid. But when he walked, they, they balked at this, said no, but now it's a According to THR, it seems like a sequel is in the works. They approved that. Joaquin Phoenix is signed on to do a possible sequel as well, according to this here. And then Todd Phillips is coming back with the writer, uh, Scott Silver, who joked the Joker screenplay. Oh, I mean, who wrote this, the Joker screenplay. So, I mean, I'm looking at you, Mark Ellis, as my, our own resident Joker. What is your what are your thoughts on this? Do you like the idea of a sequel? Did you enjoy that this was a one-off? I enjoyed it was a one-off. Yeah. And, and even when they were talking during the, the press conference rounds before the movie was released about, hey, I'd love to come back and revisit this character, I was like, I thought that we were just making a small little movie yeah. that was separate from the rest of the DC universe because I think that's the big question a lot of people are going to have is that when you hear the term sequel, you're going to assume, well, now this has to tie into something else because of the way that the first Joker film left us off and we said oh maybe there is some connectivity with some sort of universe even yeah. if it's not the one that the DCEU wanted to be going forward so the person I'm really wondering what their mental status this morning is not Todd Phillips or Joaquin Phoenix it's Matt Reeves yeah is he is he in his office and somebody knocks on the door like what Oh, we, we got to put that at Jesus Christ. Like, he's already got nine villains in his Batman movie, and now he might have to work in some sort of, like, yeah. do some back-channeling with the Joker thing. So I, I'm fine with the Joker, too, because mm -hmm. it, it, it is interesting to see where that character and where his influence goes on yeah. other people in Gotham City. I would prefer that they stay separate from whatever Matt Reeves is doing with his Batman. Yeah, and, you know, we saw in the movie, first of all, we saw the origin of Batman there with the Thomas Wayne shooting. I mean, ironically... I mean, I don't know who shoots somebody after Zorro the Gay Blade, but that's a pretty angry person. Uh, but we saw that happen. But then we also had the letter that implied that Joker and uh, uh, that Arthur Fleck and uh, Bruce Wayne might be half-brothers, might not be half-brothers. It's kind of thrown up in the air. So now it could land here, Silas, with Matt Reeves having to work this in. Remember Todd Phillips a couple weeks ago did say that he thought that the Joker in the movie would inspire the Joker who would be the Joker for Matt Reeves as the Batman. But now could it be Joaquin? I hope it isn't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it would be a mistake. I think DC has found that they can make a movie like Joker, not have it touch continuity at all, have it be an incredible success, and then they can do another movie. I mean, uh for everything we know, Birds of Prey is not connected to the Joaquin Phoenix Joker. Yeah. And yet the Joker, whether or not he appears, is going to have an effect on that film. Yeah. Well, it's saying here uh, that uh, he won't be exploring back Batman's backstory with his sequel. That's what THR is reporting. It won't be about that. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we just go see on the continuing adventures of Joker? Because a Joker without the Batman, I don't think as is as interesting. Do you think, Ellis, or do you do you I really want to go on the the further adventures of the Joker? Like anytime you you say, "Hey, Mark, you want to go see a Batman movie?" I'm going to say, "Yeah." I don't care if Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing Mr. Freeze in it. I want to go see Batman. <laughs> but with this Joker, there there was clearly a magnetism to Joaquin Phoenix playing this character that audiences 
performances responded to because you do not cross a billion dollars without repeat box office business. Yeah. So people love seeing him play this character. And there was a level of refreshment, I think, to people saying, oh, I don't have to worry about how is this going to connect mm-hmm. to to Batman or Wonder Woman or is Superman going to come and make a cameo? It's like, no, this is just about the Joker. So if you can walk that line again yeah. with Joker 2, then I'm fine. It would be interesting to see where that influence goes in Gotham. And I think that audiences proved with the success of this Joker film that they are savvy enough to be able to separate that this is something that is standalone mm-hmm. and does not touch the Matt Reeves Batman at all. I think it's best to keep those separate, and you just hope yeah. that whoever's making the decisions at Warner Brothers can be that savvy as well. Because in, in recent past, yeah. the, the people who were making decisions at Warner Brothers who no longer doing that were like, oh, God, we got to keep up with Marvel. Now, you, we would have loved to have taken our time with Batman and Superman, but now we got to have them fight each other in this movie yeah. because everybody loves comic book team-ups. As long as DC keeps playing at their own pace with their own style, yeah. I think this movie can work. I'm like Joker 2 into darkness? I don't know. I, I don't know if we're Joker 2 Electric Boogaloo. I don't know if I like that even. The Joker. new batch, man. Come on. <laughs> the cards does have two Jokers. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Um, but uh, according to this uh, article as well uh, from THR, as I said, he went in and, and wanted to like pit, do origin stories for a bunch of DC characters. He did walk out with the rights to one other character. So now the speculation begins. What? Uh, who is he going to do? What villain would you like? Like him to uh, Todd Phillips to kind of do here uh, for DC for Warner Brothers Silas. I would like to see so, so many. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites has always been Scarface. I just think is a cool villain. Oh, interesting. Um, I, I, I think that uh, Bizarro would make such a cool movie. Yeah. Um, it, let's see, specifically Batman universe. Um, I, I have been saying, I think uh, people were saying it was a bad idea, but after Mandalorian, maybe their opinions have changed. Werner Herzog is Mr. Freeze. <laughs> really? That's interesting. I'm going to freeze you now. <laughs> I don't know if that works necessarily. What about you, Mark? Do you have one you'd like to see and then maybe some off-the-wall choice? I'd, I'd like to see where Scarecrow went to medical school. I think I'd be interested to see that backstory. The clay guy, I like. Oh yeah, okay. Clayface. That yeah. Hooded, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it, I don't want to get too far down the road with origin stories becoming major films, mm-hmm. just because. It, again, th- these are villains that I was raised to not have sympathy for, <laughs> and so now I'm like watching Joker on screen. I'm like, I'm supposed to be rooting against this guy, but I don't really like those Wall Street idiots either. So I don't know which side I'm on. Like, it make me feel conflicted about one of them, not all of them. Could it be a hero? Could it be a hero? Because it just says the rights to a DC character. Who's how do we know that there's like one character? Do they know and they're just not telling us? They're like, okay, it's one character. It says here, the Phillips emerged from the meeting with the rights to at least one other DC story. So it could be another character. Obviously, he'll get the sequel for Joker, but will he be developing something else? That's the question that's now uh, in play. Was Jared Leto on the lot? Like, hey, if you need somebody to play oh another Joker, to play the Joker that was influenced by this Joker, right. I'm signing up for the role. Right. Or is it another Warner Brothers property that, like uh, King of Comedy, he's going to put the Joker into? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's an interesting thing to think about as well. What would he slide him into? Maybe I, I, it's Dumbledore. <laughs> Could be any Warner Brothers property, guys. <laughs> Grindelwald. Place your bets now. The beginning of Grindelwald. Put that whole story. Hey, I, I would love to see Todd Phillips get his hands in the Harry Potter universe. <laughs> that would be an interesting thing. Todd Phillips' version of Harry Potter. Just seeing uh, uh, Albus Dumbledore dancing on the stairs, that would just be perfect, right? Uh, with Grindelwald, why not? Just walk into that story. Walk into that story. I would love to see what Todd Phillips does with the Draco Malfoy character <laughs> after he graduates Hogwarts. It's funny you say that because uh, Tom Felton came out and said that he would like to come back to to uh, uh, to the Harry Potterverse and do the prequel of Lucius, and he would like to play Lucius Malfoy. It was interesting to play your fa- your son, play the son and the dad. That'd be very interesting, as we see if you haven't seen a certain film with Shia LaBeouf. It's very interesting to see that happen. So or I what O'Shea Jackson did with uh, right. Straight Outta Compton, right? Right. By your own father. I, I would like to see. I think Todd Phillips in in all of his films, sort of except Joker, has been really good with. Uh, Groups mm-hmm. like it, it, it's a trio in, in Hangover. Uh, there's a back and forth in, in uh, uh, Due Date. Uh, mm-hmm. Old School has this great group. Old School's great. I would love to see other characters brought in. Mm-hmm. It, the, the only thing with Joker is he's such the clear focus of that movie, yeah. and he doesn't relate to anyone. I'd like to see some way to have a group of people that 
yeah. he could connect with in some way. Well, well the way the timeline shapes up, you could have Joker be the one that sells the drugs to Zach Galifianakis's character in Hangover. <laughs> That's where he gets all that stuff that causes his crazy night. Or with old school, Joker mm-hmm. could be the one that puts Jeremy Piven's dean in place at yeah. that university, and that's what starts all that chaos. There's a number of different ways we can take this. None it, of them are making money. It, yeah. it is interesting to point out that, that while I don't think there's going to be continuity with the Joker, uh, Joker was set in 1985, right. and Wonder Woman is 1984. Right. Uh, there's a proximity <laughs> there. Oh, my God. A Joaquin Phoenix Joker in a Wonder Woman movie? I, I don't know. I don't know. Is that, okay, here's, here's what's probably going to happen, and here's yeah. the worst-case scenario. Sure, break that, it down. Is that in Wonder Woman 1984, there's just some sort of little tease that never gets explored. Right. Because, because we weren't fully 100% in on this from the, from the get-go. Like, yeah. I, I understand there, it's the same time period. There may be a, because with, with these fans take it so seriously, if there is some sort of random one-off joke in Wonder Woman, people are going to take that and run with it and think that there's a three-picture deal in the world. Right, so right. It's, it, I, would, I, would, I would cautiously say keep these things separate. Well, we just had the Black Adam story break, right? Have we got a director for Black Adam? Do we know? Do we know? Could Todd Phillips be doing Black Adam? I'm not doing it. I don't know who is. I'm just saying that's certainly a possibility. I would like to see a mixoplex, a mixoplex, a Todd Phillips mixoplex film. Uh, I'm down with the Bizarro one. I like that idea. Um, yeah, I like that idea. Poison Ivy would be interesting, right? Or a full. Uh, someone was talking to somebody yesterday who would love to see a authentic Bane film. I think that's another villain that could be on the level of Joker in terms of ferocity and uh, violence and whatever and going toe-to-toe with Batman or Ra's al Ghul, although we saw Liam Neeson do him already in Batman Begins. A Ra's al Ghul villain would be interesting for him to explore a larger story. But you make a great point, Silas, this idea of group, a group thing. I I would love to see, like, Joker just as, like, an imaginary character that a little kid has that guides him down a very bad path. Isn't that Jojo Rabbit? Yeah. Jojo Rabbit, but Joker <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, Joker. I was going to go with, uh, with Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and then Drop Dead Fred. I think that that's the movie that we really need to have rebooted now in this modern really, era. Arthur that, Fleck is your imaginary friend. Yeah. Drop you're, Dead you're, Fleck. You're going to the principal's office a lot. For, thank you to the five people who got that reference of Drop Dead Fred. Uh, that's a great bit. Phoebe Cates, nobody, Carrie Fisher makes a cameo in there. Nobody Come on. remembers that movie as we, as we saw at the live event uh, uh, for a certain uh, trivia show. Um, all right, let's move on. We'll see what happens uh with the uh, joker i'm personally surprised because don't rem- uh, it's it's tough to remember this but there was a time when this was announced as the movie that people thought this wasn't going to happen people thought it was going to be a train wreck there was rumors that scorsese was involved and it, todd phillips doing a joker movie and look what it's done so i mean he's earned enough credit uh, and cachet with the fans to see what his approach to a joker sequel would be there's certainly a plentiful amount of stories in the DC comic books uh, that focus on the Joker. Uh, the Azarello ones has always been the one I talk about. Could be that could be ripe for him to explore and do with the next step. I just I liked it being a one-off, so I'm a little I have trepidation to do a sequel to this thing because I so like it. So if I put y'all at the multiplex, I love playing this game. If I put y'all yeah. at the at the multiplex right now, and you can go see either Todd Phillips's joker sequel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or matt reeves's batman is anybody going into joker too i know i go see the batman i already know what i have in the joker i go see do the you? batman i do because i saw the first one so i know what i have there that's a known quantity my curiosity pretty sure you know this bat fella pretty well, <laughs> well no, so here's the thing his parents died he's really rich he's got a butler who's pretty neat i just mean i've seen todd phillips's version of the joker so i would go see matt reeves's version of the batman to see what he did with that what about you silas what do you I, i'd go batman I, I'm not the biggest Batman fan. I, I Superman has always been my favorite uh, wow. character, but that's uh, recorded. That's recorded. I love Matt Reeves, so <laughs> yeah, like right. I am super excited about the Batman as a Matt Reeves movie. I think it still works to put his Joker in the Matt Reeves Batman. I know you you're not a fan of it, but the grittiness with which Matt Reeves is going to approach the Batman would work with Todd. What Todd Phillips has presented here. Uh, with his Joker movie. So to me, I don't think it would be incongruent to connect these universes down the road. And I like the idea of an older Joker versus a younger Batman. Yeah, it wouldn't I, be as long as you're, you're, if you're a studio exec, which is what you right, sound like right, right now. now you walk sure. into Matt yeah. Reeves' office and Matt Reeves, you let him know you have the final say over this. <laughs> is there a way you can do this? If not, that's fine. Because Matt Reeves was about to sign on the dotted line two years ago yeah. and then backed off. They had to have more talks because 
he wanted to make sure it was going to be his vision, that he right. had creative control. And so if now if you walk in and you say, well, in mid, it, we're done casting, we're, we're in pre-production, we're about to shoot this thing. Oh, by the way, did you see the Joker? It made a billion dollars. Put him in the picture. Let me know when it's done. <laughs> Have a good day, kid. Also, Henry Cavill said he's not done with Superman, so find a way to work that in, Matt Reeves. We'll be at Frankie and Musso's. Call us after lunch. <laughs> we'll send you notes. We'll send you notes. All right, let's move on. We'll see what happens, but let's move on. Either way, I think it's exciting, and kudos to Todd Phillips for uh, being able to pull this thing off and then have a sequel in motion. So, And we'll see. We'll, well see. thank God there's so many Batman villains that can have a backstory so that Todd Phillips never has to go back to that really daunting task of comedy. <laughs> Okay, there we go. Well, wait, there we go. Bum, bum, ba-dum. All right, here we go. Star Trek. Let's move on to something that Silas wants to talk about, and that's Star Trek. According to Variety, Noah Hawley will Noah, no, sorry, Noah Hawley will write and direct the next big screen Star Trek film. And guess what? The Abrams verse Star Trek actors and characters are going to come back. That's Chris Pine as Captain Kirk, Zachary Quinto as Spock, Zoe Saldana as Uhura, and Carl Urban as bones uh, are going to come back there's there are no real plot details but it will be completely unrelated to the tarantino uh star trek uh, movie that was rumored and the uh hemsworth one that they were trying to do remember chris hemsworth played uh kirk's dad in the first uh, reboot of star trek in 2009 they were going to do some kind of time jumping thing where kirk meets his father confronts his father because if you remember the original uh, uh uh series of star trek Captain Kirk knew his father for quite some time before he passed. All right, Holly has had a lot of success with Fargo and with Legion uh, on TV, which I personally am massive fans of both of those series. I think an incredible job uh, taking the Fargo movie and turning it into an, an awesome series that does not get enough love. And I loved what he did with Legion. People don't give that uh, series enough love as well. But he also did the recent Lucy in the Sky with Natalie Portman that was just destroyed by the critics. It's 23% at, on Rotten Tomatoes. You know about Rotten Tomatoes. And it didn't make a lot of money at the box office. So there's, you're excited that Noah Hawley is this interesting creator, but you see his track record on screen, and you wonder if this is the right choice. Silas, I go to you as the massive Star Trek. Well, I am too, but as, as the other Star Trek fan here on the table, what do you say? I, I had really mixed feelings. When I saw it announced, mm. I was insanely excited because uh, Noah Hawley is... I, I have not seen Lucy in the Sky, mm. and I really wanted to. Uh, I had planned to go see it in theaters and it was gone. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard it's really bad. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll see it sooner or later. I, I do think it's underperformance. In, independently of it being bad, which certainly makes it underperform. It also came out at a time where the studio had just sort of disappeared. Mm. And it didn't really get a lot of push. Um, I, I don't think, based on everything I've seen him do in the past, I think this is a really talented guy, a really yeah. creative guy. And... The the big key is that he's writing and directing. Yeah. Because that's what I want from a studio is somebody that comes in and says, here's the movie I want to make, not, hey, I love Star Trek. What can you give me? Right. Um, that being said, I saw a lot of people, there was a big backlash of like, oh, a, another white director, white male director who has just released a bomb of a movie. And <sighs> and I, I get it. Um, at the same time, I... I have liked what he has done so much on Fargo and Legion yeah. that I, I am really excited to see what he does. I, 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 of course, I understand that point of view. I do. Um, I also think someone like Noah Hawley shouldn't be marginalized or generalized, rather, as just another white director getting a chance. No, Noah Hawley has an incredible track record on TV with well-known properties like Fargo, uh, like the X-Men, with his, which is connected to Legion. Versus something like Lucy in the Sky was more more of an original story. So if you look at something like uh, um, uh, a Star Trek, it's already got parameters for him to work on. So maybe he works better within parameters that are already constructed than something new. So that gives me hope. What do you yeah, think? I think you could say that about anybody that's not a white director. I mean, I think that that combined mm. with the fact that we did have a very exciting idea for a Star Trek film that was going to be directed by a female director, S.J. Clarkson, right. who was going to be fair. helming Chris Hemsworth teaming up with yeah. Chris Pine. So you have the combination of the first woman to direct a live-action Star Trek 
feature film with this cool premise of Kirk meeting his dad with these two huge stars playing those roles. That's the one as a very casual Star Trek fan. Mm. I was like, that's that's the movie I want to see. The Tarantino thing, it's he's a big star, and so I think that it would get Star Trek's you know name in more papers, so to speak. But I think that the S.J. Clarkson one is the one that I was really excited to see. And if I am a hardcore Star Trek fan, Mm. which I'm not, but if I if I'm playing that role, I'm saying I want something that is going to really move the needle with every announcement. And maybe maybe Legion's fantastic. Noah Hawley does not move the needle for me as far as making a big splash. Neither does announcing that this cast is returning unless you have a plot that is going to sell me on it. Because yeah. Star Trek Beyond, I think Star Trek Beyond underperformed for a number of different reasons, not the least of which was the trailers or the time in which it was released. Because mm-hmm. they tried to make that a big summer movie and it just it, it didn't have the legs to do that. Yeah. So if you make this a smaller Star Trek film that comes out in a February, a March, I think that's got its best shot to get Star Trek back on the right path yeah well you look at this i think you make a great point uh, ellis like what story do they have to tell here what's your interest what do you want to see silas as a massive star trek fan where can they go i, I will say uh the, the weird thing with star trek uh is the fact that we're getting picard and we have discovery yeah. and we're back to the prime universe i'm kind of of the opinion that the kelvin universe is a lot less interesting mm. um that being said i'm happy to see whatever he comes up with mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's a franchise that needs to put story first. Uh, so it's hard to judge until we, we know what that story I, is. I, I yeah. have this conflict with Star Trek fans all the time because mm-hmm. I probably I, I would feel the same way as a Star Wars fan if that's where my franchise was. But mm-hmm. it's like I think Star Trek fans are they care so much about the story of what the film is, which yeah. is the most important part when you're watching a movie. However, I think where Star Trek is in the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. I think that it does need that splash. It does need to be a little more flashy with it, whether it's a, announcing a director, like the first female director, mm. or a person of color directing a movie, yeah. or getting a different cast, or having new stars in the movie. Don't you feel like you need some of that to just get Star Trek juices flowing again? I, I hear your point, absolutely. Uh, the two things I would say to you is, I think this feels like what they did after the first movie way back when. The first movie, they sank a lot of money. And I mean Star Trek The Motion Picture. You're talking like 78? Yes, 78, 79. They sank a lot of money into that movie. It didn't make a lot of money. So they only put 11 or 12 million towards the second one, which had, which made them limit the, limit the resources, limit how they did, made a smaller story. But that is considered the greatest of the original series uh, films, original trilogy, original series films. And so you go, okay, maybe this is what they're doing with Noah Hawley, bringing in a TV director. They're probably going to reduce the budget. It, limit the story and hope they can capture uh, lightning in a bottle again with Star Trek and make it exciting and make it new with a new story but with an interesting take on it and maybe a new character t- t- jumping in because of course Darkness was con. Uh, Beyond was more about uh, what was happening with that the planet and the indigenous people on the planet. So you're like okay but Star Trek has always been a reflection of what's happening in society. Roddenberry was very clear about that. It was a very socially progressive uh, property and IP. You know, we had the first interracial kiss between Lieutenant Uhura and Captain Kirk on screen. So there was always that, that Frank Gorshin episode with the black and white, how the one side is black, one side is white, the other side black, the other side white, how they had to figure out that. So there's a lot here. So there's a lot going on in our world that obviously people get upset about the social issues that are going on. So there is something to be explored at this time within Star Trek. Uh, but you make a great point, Alice. It has to be flashy. So where is the flashiness in Star Trek now with this approach? So the the Star Trek story I would love to see, and I I, I just don't think you can physically make this movie, yeah. is uh, if if you follow the Star Trek timeline in Star Trek Four, this probe shows up and it wants to destroy the planet because it can't make contact with the whales. Right. So they go back in time to 1986. Yes. If the Kelvin crew did that same thing because the probe has arrived, they would go back to a shared 1986. Because that's before the timeline oh, splits. Yeah. So they would have to steal the whales from the Prime Universe crew. <laughs> My God, is that a possibility? And then we could do all the de-aging. Is a de-aging Kirk in play? <laughs> we could have Leonard Nimoy come back and be James Dean. Well, oh. 
How do you, why do you say that? Why do you joke about because it? Because it's too going soon. to happen. Too soon. It, it, dead people are going to come back in movies whether you want it to happen or not. And again, you talk about something that, that would really get people up in the morning reading yeah. a story. It would be all of these dead or alive actors coming back to reprise roles that yeah. they played way in the past. I, I think that people so connect Star Trek Four with being the whale movie. Yeah. So my only hesitancy against that is that it would feel like... Like what you were saying before, where you're just reaching into the Star Trek past too much. Right. But that is an interesting plot line that I'd like to see. It's just one big shared universe. Because, you know, unlike just shoehorning James Dean Mm -hmm. into some random Vietnam movie, it does seem like the the estate of Nimoy or the estate of, you know, DeForest Whitaker would would, would actually, DeForest Kelly would, would want that to happen. Yeah. I do like DeForest Whitaker, though. I'd like to see that DeForest combo. DeForest Whitaker, yeah. <laughs> Just combine Saw Gerrera and Dr. McCoy into one I am not bone a- saw. Yeah, bone, bone saw. saw. <laughs> there you go. Have Frank Gorshin play that role. <laughs> I am not a chemist. I am a doctor. Um, that would be fascinating, I, I think, overall for this. Um, uh, I think it would be interesting to explore that. It would be dangerous. I think they just want to tell a small story. You get a TV director, Noah Hawley, you want to tell a smaller story. Is yes, a small story going to – because here – I think, think it will. I always feel like Star Trek is just like right on the, the line of like, oh, we're not going to see any more of these movies because mm. they're not doing well at the box office. Right. So – <laughs> Like yeah, I, I think small stories. Twelve I think, of these. I think things, small stories are great. Yeah. I, I, I think that they're necessary. I think smaller budgets are necessary. But right. it, I, I kind of feel like we're we're in the bottom of the ninth here. Wow, with, with Star Trek. Yeah, with, with, with this cast anyway. No, I well, think you're like, right. History has shown in five, seven, eight years, you can reboot everything and yeah. do another 2009 Star Trek and and reboot the entire thing with a totally right. different cast. That is in play with this particular cast. I feel like it's the bottom of the ninth. Okay. I would love to see an ending to the Kelvin universe, too. Um, I, I, one idea that I always thought would be really cool is to have uh, some sort of story where they learn that this whole split happened, they need to fix it, oh. uh, but have the stakes be... I, I think if you open the movie with Kirk having his son, mm-hmm. David, uh, and then you learn that he has to fix the timeline... And then in this other timeline, David's going to die. Right. That's kind of the city on the edge of forever stakes. Yeah, and yeah. It, it feels like a big universe ending movie at the same time. Right, because we had Pike die in the Kelvin timeline. Mm-hmm. He's dead. There's not that thing that's in the, uh, what's the other timeline again? Oh, uh, prime timeline. Prime yeah. timeline. Not, there's nothing that's in the other, that's in the prime timeline because obviously he goes back to the planet and gets, you know, uh, gets back with the girl and all that jazz. So. David, but there's nothing with Carol Marcus and Kirk here that was presented in darkness that's fully explored and beyond, right? There's nothing that's so... No, it just sort of disappears. It disappears, so we don't have a, the possibility of David in that way. So, I don't know. Although I'd love, love to see the curly hair come back of David's curly just hair. imagine the pressure you feel if you wake up in the morning, you got to fix the timeline. <laughs> you know what I'm doing the rest of the day? I'm taking a nap and I'm ordering grub. The rest of like, the day? This, guy, this guy's got to get on a spaceship and fix a timeline. You got those, uh, what's it from Homeland? You got carries, like the red lines connecting all this kind of jazz. It's nutty stuff. I know that nothing would make William Shatner happier than being de-aged and coming back into a Star Trek film. He is so mad. He's still bitter that he let himself get killed off in Generations. When they brought back Nimoy, you could see his little passive-aggressive comments about the fact that they wouldn't bring Kirk back uh, into the Kelvin timeline. So to have him de-aged is somehow mixed in. We'll see. But I really doubt that's going to happen. I'm excited about it. I totally get, I totally get the idea of, okay, having another white director step in here, especially with S.J. Clarkson. So I wonder what happened here because it was a salary situation with Hemsworth and with Pine that was the issue. So what changed? What Both of them have achieved success since those negotiations. So what changed? Well, my, my point against that back when I, I used to host the show, um, I think oh, that boy. Chris Hemsworth and Chris Pine, whatever they were charging yeah. to be in a movie together, I think you're making that money back. So if you have to fork over an extra $5 yeah. million dollars to get Hemsworth in this or an extra $15 million to get yeah. all the cast back, the movie is going to show those returns at the theaters because mm-hmm. people want to see all these stars together. And I think that the Hemsworth-Pine storyline is the, the one that, that has the most mass appeal. Right. Now, whether that is the story that hardcore Star Trek fans want to see on the big screen, yeah. that's a different conversation. But as far as getting butts in seats, I thought that was the best play. Okay, we'll see. I mean, there must have been something going on. Maybe they didn't like the storyline. It may just be Hemsworth looking at Ghostbusters and Men in Black and saying, uh, I don't want to do another franchise where 
That's a fair point. Banking on himself, yeah. which, you know, given the returns of well, I haven't seen black. Him, I haven't seen him succeed outside of the MCU. Have you? Nah, Have you? No, nah, I like the... Uh, black Hat didn't do well. No, it did not. I, I, I think I'm really the only person that enjoyed Black Hat. Mm-hmm. I think I had a good time watching it. I'm and the I, only person who liked Drop Dead Fred, too. So, I mean, this Drop is Dead not Fred, I'm not well. the only person who liked Drop Dead I'm the only person that remembers. Was Drop Dead Fred my imagination? No, it happened. It'd be amazing if you woke up and no one else <laughs> knows is, what it is. It's a Kelvin timeline where Drop Dead <laughs> it's Fred like that Berenstain Bears thing. Like, some people have a <laughs> Bears history, Bears, I Some people that have no idea what it is. And it's like, wait, really? That's right. That's did right. I? Drop Dead Fred, Phoebe Cates, and the late great Rick Myel from The Young Ones. Uh, I do remember that film. All right, let's. Oh, uh, so you do I remember? Do. It. I just like playing with you. All right, J.J. Abrams. There's no, there's no uh, official announcement. He's coming back to produce the film, but they are working with his production company, Bad Robot. Holly's uh, production company, Twenty Six Keys, is working with Bad Robot to make this happen. So we'll see as it goes down the line what the storyline is going to be. There's a lot to explore. We already Put Palpatine in the next Star oh Trek God. film. Oh my God! Yeah. Yes. You want to? You want to cross universes? <laughs> let's do it big. <laughs> God, can you imagine? Yikes. Uh, all right, let's get into some promos. Uh, we'll, we'll have your live chat questions coming up at the end. Please send them in as they as we go along here on the show. But uh, we got uh, some promos to jump into, and that is a Riley Roundtable. Let's take a look at that. Hey, guys, it's Riley here. Let me tell you about the Riley Roundtable. You know it, right? It drops every Thursday on Collider Conversations, and I have guests from all across the space. John Roca, Gray Drake, Alexander Desplat came on at one point. We talk everything from movies, we talk about life, and everything in between. What do you want to hear? What do you want to talk about? It's the Riley Roundtable every Thursday on Collider Conversations. You get it there. And also, uh, don't miss Rumor Mill live coming up later on today, 2 p.m. Pacific time with the new host, Cody Hall, oh, stepping in. That's yeah. right. Uh, it's going to be fun. You know about hosting things. Uh, and he's I gonna... know about rumors, too, which we might have just talked about. <laughs> yes, we'll get to in just a second. Uh, so that'll be on later. I think it's, I think it's me, Christian Ruvacaba, and uh, maybe Snyder. I don't know who the third person is. I think it's the three of us going at it about rumors. Uh, but Cody Hall is hosting. That's who you need to be watching for that. And one other promo, and I'm going to let him take it himself. That is the amazing stand-up comedian, Mark Ellis. What have you got? going on what came out mark well while we're debating about whether the joker 2 is actually going to happen or not uh something did happen yesterday my uh, first comedy special dropped dog stepfather you can catch it right now where you're watching this on youtube you can check it out at all things comedy mark ellis dog stepfather thank you guys for your support you guys uh had a bunch of views on it yesterday and uh, like you hit the like button which means so much to me thanks for all your wonderful comments i appreciate it and uh happy the world finally gets to see all those dirty dirty jokes i write yeah you you do you write some good jokes though and did it really translate to are you, were you I can never tell when Ellis is making jokes or not making jokes because he's a funny naturally funny guy but you posted that it was seen by what 60,000 people or something and it led to 10 million views like were you joking about that yes that was a joke that oh, was okay. a Facebook algorithm joke okay but over 20,000 people have actually watched it yeah which in my math corresponds to 60 million Facebook views <laughs> thank you Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> it's, it's, it's mostly bots but still uh, all right, we should uh, do this. I, I, I've seen you guys in the chat going crazy. Thad, let me know about it as well. A Deadline article has dropped. Let's get your immediate reactions to this. Uh, this is from Mike Fleming over there, at Mike Fleming Jr. over there at Deadline. He says, the Joker sequel news that hit the trade today is great clickbait, but multiple inside sources said that while a sequel to the billion-dollar grossing film is an obvious likely eventuality that makes all the financial sense of the world, at this point, there are no deals for a sequel, nor even any negotiations with director Todd Phillips. So this is an interesting twist now. All of a sudden, people go uh, deadline, other outlets coming back at THR saying that this story is not true. So once again, you rely on sources. You never know uh, what can happen one or the other. Or is this maybe posturing or, or negotiating tactics? Being known? We see this all the time. Certainly being friends with Jeff Snyder, I hear about studios get pissed when he sometimes releases casting possibilities that affect deals. So uh, this could be a situation where they don't want this coming out just yet. I I would say, A, it, this fits perfectly with the Joker, not really knowing if it happened or not. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, um, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The movie made so much money. They made three Hangover movies. Um, oh. The Joker lends himself to, to sequels, and it sounds like even on set, Joaquin Phoenix was game for a sequel and sort of trying to... 
yeah. guide them towards that. This is interesting because you have deadline sources versus THR sources, right? And I don't. What's it's a fascinating thing as, as you being in this sphere to watch these two. I think high profile uh, things I, I think Collider just saved themselves a day of having to do a live movie talk because you can play this exact same conversation we just had in two weeks <laughs> or two months when this news does get confirmed. We still know nothing more about it, but we just know it's confirmed. So we did everybody here a favor. Silas and I are very proud of ourselves. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I would say the the thing about the THR article that's really intriguing is that mm-hmm. extra story yes. part because yeah. uh, that that sounds like there is something that they are, are paying attention to. Well, it says here uh, that uh, according to them, multiple sources deadline said that no such October 7th meeting between Phillips and Emmerich occurred and that Phillips hasn't even considered overseeing other DC character films, which would be in keeping with Phillips' track record of being selective. So who knows what the truth is? I, I don't, I, I trust THR for a lot of things. So they don't usually run with like, you know, willy nilly stories. So this is an interesting thing, but it happens occasionally where one outlet sources contra contradicts another outlet sources. And then we'll find out down the line when someone actually signs a contract, what the truth is. Isn't Batman supposed to be the world's greatest detective? Like, can he, <laughs> he just uncover this Hollywood entanglement for us, Bats. It, it took him like all of Batman. Man v Superman to find out that the the name of the thing was a boat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, world's shots greatest fired. shots fired. That sounds like it's on somebody's business card, but may not actually be correct. All right, so you can stop going crazy on us on the chat. We talked about it, we so we'll see, we'll see. But you know, you lead with THR. I trust THR. That's the way it goes. So, John right. Roca, world's greatest movie trivia <laughs> schmodown participant. Oh yeah, well. Yeah. Four titles. All right, uh, Steven Soderbergh. Uh, let's move on to that story. He is uh, doing a new film. It's a 1950s crime drama. It's going to be set in Detroit, titled Kill Switch. It's coming to our very coming from our very own Jeff Snyder, who I just mentioned loves to break these scoops. Josh Brolin, Don Cheadle, and Sebastian Stan are in discussions to be a part of this film. And Ed Solomon, who is finishing up Men in Black Three, uh, is going to be writing the uh, the script. He wrote the spec, spec script rather, and it casts Brolin, Cheadle, and stand as criminals who carry out a home invasion only to wonder if they've been double-crossed. Uh, Casey Silver, who did Godless, a fantastic series, Western series on Netflix, is producing the film. They're supposed to start shooting next summer, and it's still it's still to be shopped to studios. So interest is supposed to be is supposedly high around town, but it, ha- it does not have a studio assigned to it yet. Soderbergh is coming off a pair of Netflix movies, uh, The High-Flying Bird, which starred my friend uh, Andre... Uh, uh, and- oh, Jesus Christ. I lose it sometimes. I'm getting old. That's what happens. Uh, he was in there and the laundromat on Netflix as well. That came out with Gary Oldman and, uh, um, uh, Meryl Streep. No, Meryl Streep. Yes. Yeah. And the Antonio Banderas yeah. in, in it as well. So this is interesting. See, and he just produced the report, which I sat down and had a conversation with Scott Z Burns about for the uh, an upcoming episode of the deep cut. Um, uh, so he's been busy doing a lot of things. Uh, and he has his next di- directorial effort. Let them all talk, which stars Meryl Streep, Gemma, uh, Meryl Streep, Gemma Chan, Lucas Hedges, Candace, Bergen and Diane Wiest uh, in it as well. Andre Holland, that's my boy that's in High Flying Bird. So all of this is happening around him. Uh, do you, Are you excited by this? Do, does this make you look forward to a Soderbergh 1950s crime drama in Detroit with these guys? Well, John, as a fellow alumni of The Deep Cut with John Rocha, <laughs> um, I, you had me. If I'm a studio head, I'm buying this. I think that this is, I understand why there's a bidding war for it. Soderbergh yeah. is maybe the worst retiree I've ever met. He just cannot stay retired. He keeps right. working, and I enjoy his work. I thought Unsane was one of my favorite. It was one of my favorite movies of last year. I loved what he was able to do with that. He just built such a creepy vibe. And we obviously know what Soderbergh can do when he has a bevy of stars with a cast, if you go back to Ocean's Eleven. So I'm excited about this particular film. The only hesitancy I have is that, did you say the writer of Men in Black 3? I'm going to forget you said no, that. No, uh, uh, no, no, uh, Ed Solomon, he wrote Bill and Ted 3. Oh, I thought you yeah. said Men in Black 3. Did I say Men in Black 3? I, like, I, I meant Bill and Ted 3. Bill and Ted 3. I was worried about Men yeah, in Black yeah, fair 3. Enough, fair Did enough. not enjoy that picture. Bill and Ted 3, on the other hand. Yeah. God gave rock and roll to you. Why not another Soderbergh movie? Yeah, Bill and Ted Face the Music is the name of that. Ed Solomon has also written uh, for the TV series Mosaic. He also wrote the two films from Now You See Me and the sequel Now You See Me 2. Uh, imagine that. Uh, he also wrote The In-Laws. Uh, he wrote Charlie's Angels, the one that made it. 
a good amount of money in 2000. He also wrote this great What Planet Are You From? It's one of my favorite uh, kind of quiet comedies with Gary Shandling. Mike Nichols directed this oh, film. Oh, right, right? right. He also wrote yeah. Men in, the original Men in Black. He did do that, not Men in Black 3. Um, and then, of course, Bill and Ted, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Uh, and I'm not going to mention that he wrote Mar- Super Mario Brothers. But anyway, th- <laughs> that is... Uh, th- so you've got... That so movie you, wrote itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, off a cliff. Uh, you tell me, you, do you like this uh, idea of Soderbergh kind of directing more of a gritty... I mean, this out-of-sight stuff, the stuff he did in the oh, past. Yeah. yeah, I mean, has he made a bad movie? There are movies that I don't think were as good it's as I wanted question. them to be. But, like, question. I mean, something like The Good German is, like, it's mm. not spectacular, but it's not... Awful. There's that uh, one he did with. Uh, it, it was like about the the drug, the, the pharmaceuticals. That right. I wasn't a huge fan of, but yeah, you know, he's oh side effects. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was, but he's he is such a talented dude, and like, yeah. and and I actually wouldn't make a joke. Like, if he wanted to do something a little experimental in the making of this movie, if he wanted to shoot it on on all galaxies, mm-hmm. it, like it, whatever you want to do with the technology, whatever you want to do with his cast, I'm on board for. Yeah, I didn't like Bubble. That's one I didn't uh-huh. like. Yeah, that's one that I, I say. I, or the Informant. Did you guys like? Oh, the I love Informant? the Informant. Do you really? I got to okay. see that movie again because I hated it when I first yeah. saw it, and I just don't know if I just. With having a bad day because people yeah. seem to love it. I like when he goes into the more um, crime, drama, gritty kind of stuff. You know, like the Limey's fantastic mm-hmm. that he did as well. Uh, what, uh, Haywire, I thought he made Gina Carano look fantastic in that film. I know uh, the rumors Lawrence or Laura Sangiacomo voiced over Gina Carano's lines in that film, but the film itself is still fantastic. And the action scenes, everything about it is It's a nice, taut, quick thriller that you'll enjoy with some great bevy of actors involved in it but he also did something like magic mike which is a lot more fun and open and then che part one and part two which i really enjoyed benicio in it so he and oceans of course the ocean series which is great so will this have more of the fun edge of soderbergh or will this have more of the grittier darker edge of soderbergh i wonder i like the for this i like the grittier edge how about yeah. you oh really i kind of like the fun i like like mm. the idea of them as like bumbling criminals that are like it's like home alone uh, but from the criminal <laughs> perspective <laughs> Well, I mean, like, what didn't we just like? Uh, what's the one that uh, Fincher did? Uh, oh, Panic Room. Panic Room, right? Same kind of thing. You have Billy Bob, you have Forrest, uh, DeForest Whitaker, and then you have. A, and, <laughs> That's one uh, where I wish it was it was scarier, like, yeah. because they are kind of bumbling criminals, and you quickly learn what they're after. That movie would be so much more intense if it were these guys, and you had no idea what they wanted or why they were in the house. Yeah. Uh, that they weren't kind of funny. Or you went full comedy with it, and uh-huh. it was the Wet Bandits breaking in, but there was a panic room. So, <laughs> well, I, again, if whatever, regardless of what the tone is, yeah. I think that I think Soderbergh's going to have a pretty good handle on a cast like this. Do you think it's weird? Do you think he could throw an incredibly strange twist where they go in and they... I mean, because how much of a home invasion uh, could be, you know, where you wonder if they've been double-crossed? Who would double-cross them? Where Are they being set up for the home invasion by the husband or the wife? Who is uh, the owner of the house? What's the whole situation here? Well, you could, I mean, just spitballing. You could show up and the person that you thought you were after is not there. Right. But is coming. So they have to hold out and keep this person captive. And What if it's a horror film and down in the basement is like this whole metaphysical. It's like a blind dude that like, um, oh, like uh, that. What's, what was that movie? Dead Don't Breathe. Stephen yeah. 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 Or, yeah, something like that. I mean, we're just writing movies here at this point. <laughs> what if Michael Douglas is the homeowner and he's married to some, like, you know, wife half his age, like Gwyneth Paltrow? It's like a perfect murder. Oh, perfect he hires murder. him to break in and then it doesn't work out. Who, I mean, things go wrong. Who's the killer in, who's the uh, uh, affair in uh, in uh, Perfect Murder? Oh, it's uh, Viggo Mortensen? There it is. Yeah, there I still it is. got it. Still got it. Carrots. That's right. <laughs> Baby ones, baby ones. Uh, Bro- <laughs> Brolin just wrapped uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune, uh, and he'll be doing Sean Penn's indie movie uh, Flag Day, which I'm looking forward to. He also vo- voiced Thanos again in the What If series that's going to be coming out on Disney+. Mm. Plus. He's also working on something with Peter Dinklage. So uh, just, I would love to see a, a remake of Twins with Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage. That is just what it but means. MC, it's Thanos and uh, it's the, the-, <laughs> the Vormir uh, dwarf. <laughs> I would pay money to see that. I'm I would line it. up. That's yeah. a good what if. That would be a funny what if. Not many movies I would camp out Phantom Menace style for <laughs> this day and age, but that's one of them. Don Cheadle has been doing some great work on the small screen with Showtime's Black Monday, and he'll be on Ryan Murphy's Netflix series Ratched. Uh, but he's also going to be in Space Jam 2, which everybody's waiting for now that LeBron and the Lakers are winning again. Everyone's looking forward Don to this Don Cheadle's going to be in Space Jam 2? Yeah, Space Jam 2. That's too. exciting. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I am genuinely hyped for Space Jam Really? Too. Yeah. I think it might be a better film than Space Jam 1. Don't hate me. 
That uh, film does not hold up in any way, shape, or form. The golf scene does. Well, Bill sure. Murray, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan. Right. The humans. Barkley, yeah. they're playing golf. That's, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. The story I want to see is how the Warner Brothers cartoons went from like a shared Hollywood of Who Framed Roger Rabbit to living in the center of the earth with only the Warner Brothers cartoons <laughs> some decades later. <laughs> Yeah, there, there was some sort of nuclear fallout situation that you know, forced Silas, them into hiding. Don't ruin things, Silas. Don't mess with I blame the radishes from Fraggle Rock. Oh, nice. Look yeah. at you with all these references. Deep cut. Yeah, my man woke up and watched some early uh, television. All I right, did um, my calisthenics this morning. I'm ready to go, man. Take this, I take this seriously, all right? There's video online, I'm sure, already of you doing your calisthenics. There's no one who posts more workout videos this side of Jay Washington than Mark Ellis. I'm proud of my calf muscles. That's where you are. And Thanks, your, Mom and Dad. Your ability to jump. He's got a great ability to jump. I do box jump. jumps. Mm-hmm. They're good for your... Well, you got to be careful. They're not good for your shins. You got to be careful when you're doing box jumps because, yeah. because they really put a strain on your core. And as somebody who's lived through a hernia surgery, I don't want another one. So I've, I've taken a back seat on the box jump. Uh, Sebastian Stan uh, is doing, of course, Winter Soldier in the Falcon and Winter Soldier series as well. He recently started Tanya and uh, Destroyer from Karen Kusama that came out, which I need to see. Did you like that? Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay, it's worth it. Yeah. And Sebastian Stan is going to be showing up in The Mandalorian as Luke Skywalker. Hey, so. well said, well said. Could happen. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. So we'll see what happens. I like this idea of Soderbergh going back. Will it be big screen or will it be Netflix, do you think? His name and this cat. It, doesn't, it, doesn't it kind of smell like a Netflix thing? <laughs> This, it, it smells like something mm. that would debut on a streaming service, but I'm I'm here for it either way. For all we know, it's going to go to a streaming service that hasn't even been announced yet. But <laughs> will he shoot it on his iPhone? Maybe That's goes direct to YouTube with it, like Dog Stepfather, which mm-hmm. you can watch right now. <laughs> oh, we already did. Sorry, I was reading the prompter. We already did that. Good. What prompter? Stop what, it. what if it's like live? So if it's oh a home invasion, a live a, feature a, film. Would be incredible by Soderbergh. And a home invasion, it's one location. Oh, my God. He could do it, yeah. Soderbergh would would be one of the guys you'd go to for the technical wizardry of pulling off, like, uh, tonight on ABC for two hours. Instead of all these these sing-alongs for kids, do something that, like, you know... The adults are going to get excited about a home invasion movie. I'll tell you right now, some executive at ABC was eating his Cheetos, lying on his bed, watching movie talk, and just shot out of his bed. It was like, that's genius. I'm going to do that. A live feature film on ABC primetime at 8 o'clock. You know, they did that uh, They, they did that with, uh, 10 or 15 years ago. It, it was this black and white film. Failsafe. Yeah, Brian Dennehy was oh, in it. Oh, the remake of Failsafe. Alec yeah, Baldwin yeah, was yeah, in yeah. it. And I didn't watch it, but I, I didn't hear ho- horrible things. Remember Rock, the series Rock? They did a live episode, like fully live episode with charles s dutton yeah charles s dutton <laughs> that's where i got this cap this is this is the the janitor and rudy cap <laughs> oh god i don't like rudy at all all right let's get to some live chat questions and get in before we wrap up the show here let's go let's go cycle through these really quick trek wars with no upcoming movies currently on her slate what would you like to see naomi scott do next with her career assuming charlie's angels didn't just kill it that's a, it, she, it didn't kill it damn it what do you say? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ooh, Naomi Scott and that would be interesting. She looks a lot like Sarah Michelle Gellar. Okay. Um, I, I feel like you could make a really cool Buffy movie. Make it like a different universe as Buffy and do something crazy with All right. it. I think the next play, if, if I'm looking at this from an agency perspective, is 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 do something uh, smaller that isn't that isn't a franchise kind of thing, just to kind of get away really? from from yeah. the Charlie's Angels disappointment at the box office, and then come back and hit it big with a, with a huge franchise pick. That's maybe for- maybe maybe something in the world of of DC with all of these new exciting announcements. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a, maybe there's a, a Batman villain role. Maybe there's a there's an accomplice role yeah. down the road. It's a fair point, man. Because off, off Power Rangers, which you know. Made a decent amount of money, but wasn't as positive or as well received as people would have liked. And then with what happened with Charlie's Angels, you. But Aladdin made a lot of money, so she was part of that ensemble cast. I think Zatanna is possible if you're going to go into DC thing, having her play Zatanna with Todd Phillips directing it, according to Deadline or according to THR. Just joking. <laughs> All right, Wrecker R asks for our dear Mister Chekhov. Of course, uh, 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 should you recast or do a new character? I mean, it's it's a sad situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the weird bit of sort of like Star Trek lore that sort of helps. I mean, I, I want some sort of homage. I want something mm-hmm. to, to pay tribute. But uh, when Star Trek stopped uh, after the third season, it came back in the 70s and it's an animated series. And Chekhov was not on the animated series. He had been transferred to another ship. Right. And there was Lieutenant Eric, who was like this red alien with multiple arms. That's why in Star Trek two, Chekhov is, is off on, on the Reliant. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like you kind of have that open yeah. to you. 
Well, there's a documentary coming out from Anton Yelchin's parents. Uh, they did about him, uh, kind of a, uh, to honor him and his life and his career. Um, so it would be interesting to see if they if they recast Chekhov in that way. And and you make a great you make an interesting point because people some people may not know this. Chekhov wasn't in Chekhov wasn't in the Khan episode of Star Trek that they based the Wrath of Khan on. So when he when Khan says, I never forget a face, he'd actually never <laughs> met Chekhov. It's one of these quiet things. And uh, Walter Koenig saw that in the first draft of the script and never told anybody because he w- he wanted to have that scene with Ricardo Monta. <laughs> so it's a cute little thing. Would you want to see it recast or do you think it's uh, poor taste? I, I would have to see Star Trek Beyond again to know where we mm. left off with the character, if there's a way to have some sort of transfer to another ship kind of right out. But you want to see it handled with class. This is not a. This is not one of those. Use whatever technology is is available. This is not one of those cases. This is not yeah. putting it, it, taking uh, you know Leonard Nimoy or somebody like that. This is this is a very tragic situation that needs to be handled with class. Right. So whatever the classiest way to do it that does right by the estate by his family, that's the way you should go. Okay. I mean, honestly, if, if time travel is involved, you could have Walter Koenig come back and do some sort of tribute like that. <sighs> That's interesting. I mean, you do have a lot of time travel yeah. at your fingertips when you're talking about Star Trek. Yeah, you, you do. Know? You do. Wow. It, it, you have that sudden realization, like Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future, like, I'm in a time machine. I got all the, <laughs> I can do whatever I want. You built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Uh, all right, Trek Wars. Calvin uh, Klein was the underwear that he wore. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> Trek Wars, thoughts on the rumor of Christian Bale, Jennifer Lawrence, reteaming with David O. Russell for a movie about the music industry? It's going to be called Father. No, I'm joking. What do, what do you think? Uh, sure. Like, I, that doesn't super excite me. Mm. Um, but I'm sure as it got closer, I, w- I would be like, oh, yeah, those are those are talented people. And yeah. I'm curious what this movie is. Is the guild off the lily with uh, with Jennifer Lawrence? Like, we haven't seen something, like, exciting and successful from quite some time. Like, is going back to, with David O. Russell, is this the right move? I like David O. Russell. David O. Russell. That's O. <laughs> period. Russell, not O. Apostrophe yeah, Russell. He's one of the greatest Irish filmmakers of our day. <laughs> um, I we haven't seen Jennifer Lawrence in a minute, so yeah. I, th- I think whatever she does next is going to get some is going to get some ballyhoo. Is going to get some news. Is going to get some coverage. She's fantastic. Yeah. So certainly, if a good, a great. This actress. is the movie you kids want to go make. Then, then, then Godspeed. Okay. You guys have seen Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, yeah. Yeah? Uh, Christian Bale is incredible in that yeah, movie, Yeah, he's right? fantastic. Top yeah. five of the year. So wow. it's like that. Yeah. Uh, My name is Dolomite. Um, the Irishman I was a big fan of. Uh, that little movie with the talking raccoon and Iron Man was pretty good. So there's, it, it's, you know, it's been a good year for me. I see the movies I want to see. You do. I know. That's, that's, that's the life. Mark Ellis lives the life he wants to live. Let's just go macro on that. All right, last question because we've got to wrap up. MK Songbird, what part of American history that has yet to be explored on film deserves to have its story told? Uh, uh, MK Ultra, CIA mind control, or Operation Paperclip, which was the U.S. bringing Nazis over after World War II? What would you want to see? Mm. Mm. Um, there is there's always this this story of that I'm not sure if it actually ha- there, there's actually two that they're both during wartime is okay. one is during the Civil War yeah. um, is that in off days fighting the war the North and the South played baseball against each other and oh. it was just and it was you know again you're not shooting each other you're not looking for some leg up on the competition as far as war goes it's just soldiers in this thing mm-hmm. and we're just going to take a freaking day off and play baseball. Yeah. And I believe that the allies in the Axis did the same thing with a soccer game. Yes. That was pretty much played in no man's land. It was. That was, it would be a fantastic, I don't know how you tell the story. I'm not that, I'm glad it's not my job. Mm. But I think those two things were just people who are just it, really fighting for their country, maybe not even a cause that they fully understand. Yeah. And just getting to have a day off and just using sports as that outlet mm-hmm. is something very interesting to me. I think there was a fascinating film uh, back in, I think Ethan Hawke was in it, Midnight Clear, where they, where during Christmas, the Americans and the German soldiers like came together to celebrate Christmas and then had to go back Oh no, back you're thinking of uh, Tim Allen's Santa Claus. <laughs> Is what you're thinking of. He pushes Santa Claus off roofs, so then he becomes Santa. It's a harrowing. We story. gotta drag you out of the nineties today. We gotta drag you out of the nineties. It was a double feature. Today. It was I'll go back to eighty nine with Honey I Shrunk the Kids. So anyway, Rick Rennes is a scientist, right? Get ready oh for this. Oh boy. Uh, do you have an American American history thing? I, I wish I had something that, that had more like weight to it. The first thing that pops in my head is like my favorite alien abduction story. Yeah. Oh uh, give me more of that. Who, is, is, it the, like, is it the couple from the fifties or who is it? It's from the fifties. It's Hopkinsville, yeah. Illinois, Kentucky. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was this house these farmers and their family in the woods that were like 
assaulted by these like three foot tall pointed ear. They called them goblins. Wow. Uh, and I just like, as a kid, I always loved that story. I'd love to see a movie based on that. I'm down. With There's that. probably something much more important in American history to focus on, but that's the first thing. This that could be, this is, I we're like talking this. galaxy yeah. history with this. Yeah. I'm, I was talking about a little skirmish that happened in one part of the country. This is intergalactic. In the galactic. I'm taking Silas's movie. I like Silas's movie too. <laughs> I just shelved my films yeah. and I greenlit Silas's. I hesitate. I got to put up my Millard Fillmore. I'm going to put it in the back then. Uh, that's when President gets no love. Nobody talks about Millard Fillmore. You want to make a Millard like, Fillmore movie? I like it with, with, uh, with uh, 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 Christian Bale as Millard Fillmore. That'd be perfect. That's the duck from the funny pages, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Millard Fillmore, yeah. Oh, hello. Too bad your Millard Fillmore film is opening against my Spiro Agnew picture. (laughs) No. Teapot scandal? All right, anyway, we're getting too deep. All right, thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of Movie Talk. is stuck in the hot tub, everybody. (laughs) We got to get him now. This is going to be a wacky adventure in the White House. Bully. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of Collider Movie Talk slash History Talk. Really appreciate you all taking the time to download this episode or to listen to us uh, talk about all kinds of things and entertainment. Thank you to Silas Lesnick for stopping by. Silas, where can they find you? Uh, movie Bill. Uh, check out. We're in the uh, the Regal Cinemas app. Right now we have a Frozen 2 activation. Nice. Uh, if you scan the poster in the lobby, it, it comes to life. I'm looking forward to seeing that and the movie. Ellis, my man, Dog Stepfather, what do you say? Dog Stepfather, you can catch on YouTube right now. And I'll be starring as Dr. Samuel Mudd, the doctor who Patched up John Wilkes Booth's leg after he shot Lincoln. <laughs> Catch it on the Hallmark Channel 2025. Mark Ellis is mud. Uh, I'm John Rogan. You follow me at the Rogan says. Shout out to Adam Smith there for putting up with our shenanigans. Have fun in Cabo Perry. And Fat Williams, yes. I hope you're enjoying Cabo Perry and everything that's going on there. And don't forget to tune in Collider Live in five minutes. Live, Collider Live. Uh, uh, Dorina and Roxy with Riley. And, uh, and I think Mike Kalinowski, uh, one of my nemesis, wow. will big, be big on. Star on that show. Big star on that show. You know, he keeps losing belts at this rate, though. But he's there. He's going to be there uh, to talk about all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure some other things will come up uh, concerning this one. But there you go. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Uh, Tune in tomorrow for another live episode of Movie Talk at 9 a.m. PT. Take care until then. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.